Today we're talking about love. Every week uh, of Advent, we speak about a different attribute of Jesus. We, we light the candles. The candle lighting is a symbolic thing to help you remember that this is a special set-aside time. From the beginning, Advent, I, I told you a little bit of the history of Advent, but Advent was not about the birth of Jesus when it started. Advent, when it began, was actually about looking forward to the second coming. Um, actually, originally it was waiting, the expectation of the Magi, which is the wise men. Then, it was the, then there was about 1,500 years that it was looking forward to the second coming. And in the mid-1500s, after the Reformation, it began to be the celebration of Jesus' birth. So each week we light a candle, and these candles are supposed to help us remember different attributes of Jesus. Hope, joy. Today, our candle is the candle of love. Uh, the most common scripture when we think about love is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For he did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John three sixteen and 17. It's one many people know. Even people outside the church know that reference. There was a guy throughout the 70s and 80s that would go to all the football games in the Olympics and hold up the giant sign. Um, he wore a giant rainbow wig, and he would hold up the John 3.16 sign. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Okay, good. Wow, even some of the people that were younger than I would have thought would have remembered that. So, if God so loved the world that he's willing to send his own son, Jesus, that you and I can have relationship with him, then the unexpected unspoken, un, just implied things that you and I are supposed to love each other. And I've said many times, it's really easy for us to say we love people. It's really hard for us to put love into action when it comes down to loving your neighbor who's really annoying and lets their dog do his job on your lawn, right? Our neighbors have a dog that's almost blind. I don't blame the dog any longer. I don't know that he even knows where he is. He wanders onto my lawn. I had him laying down there this summer. He thought he was in his own yard. They came looking for him. They were like, oh, they thought he was home. And we get him and we take him back next door. At least they come and find their dog when he's laying down on my yard. But sometimes it's really hard to love people. Just think in your mind, have you ever known somebody that was really difficult to love? People who grind you the wrong way and they annoy you and the things they do. Maybe I'm that person. I don't know. But there are people that are difficult to love. And yet, here's the hard part. God gives us no caveat to, you only got to love the people that are lovable. So God loved the whole world. Can you imagine actually loving people that are different than you? That look different than you? Act different than you? Different socioeconomic, different race, different religion even? Can you imagine actually genuinely loving them? And if so, what does that look like? So the scripture that uh, was read during the Advent reading was out of 1 John. Same guy wrote it. The first one he writes is a gospel, which is the story of Jesus. The second one is actually a letter that he's writing. He's writing this letter to believers while he's in exile on an island. So John has been taken prisoner simply because he was a Christian and he was a follower of Jesus. And he's been put in exile and he's on an island. And he's being held there until he dies. So they didn't want to execute him because they were afraid if they execute him, it could create a revolt within the church. So what they're going to do is just put him away and hope everybody forgets about him, and then eventually old age will get him. And this is what he writes in that letter. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who's born 
is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested, which just means that was, it was just shown to us, is all that word means, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that's just a fancy word for saying, payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God loved you enough to send his own son, then how do I not love the people that are around me? And then how do I not live that out? People desire love. Um, from 1959 to 2010, there was a survey that went out every 10 years, actually. And in that survey, the number one felt need that people had, not the concrete needs, but the felt needs, the number one thing was love. For 60 years, the number one thing that was answered was love. Now, in 2010, the reason that this study became so groundbreaking is because it actually went from love, which was the same thing that had been said for 60 years, to belonging. And when it bucked the trend, that's when nobody cared about this study for years until 2010 when it changed and people, instead of saying they wanted love, they wanted belonging as their number one felt need. Then suddenly it got everybody's interest. And the reason why is because love is so fake and so counterfeit that we don't really know what it is anymore. And if I feel like I belong, at least that means I'm accepted. People can no longer see and genuinely understand what love is. There's been a lot of analysis. I've gone back and read this, um, this thing multiple times because it makes me both intrigued and sad. It intrigues me because at our core, at our heart, really belonging is still about feeling like you're loved. But people don't know what that feels like anymore. People have accepted a counterfeit. People misunderstood love. They believe that love is going to make them feel a certain type of way. Like, if I'm loved, then I'll feel this way. But if I don't feel this way, then it can't be love. After years, some of you know I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 17 years full time. And I, I discovered that teenagers often think they're in love multiple times within a month, even within a week. They can be in love with different people. And um, yet we laugh, and yet I've known adults who still do the very same thing. So... Some, somewhere along the way, though, for them to believe that they genuinely love this person, and two weeks later, they're no longer speaking to them. Why? They forgot my birthday. Wait, your birthday was three months ago, you weren't dating. I know. What? What? <laughs> but see, the problem is, they want love to feel a certain way, and if it doesn't feel that way, then it can't be love. And... The difficult thing is, love is an emotion so deep that it becomes not about me and my feeling and my need being met, but it becomes about whether or not I am the one meeting someone else's need. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us this long list of love. They love to read that at weddings and on Valentine's Day. But the truth is, love isn't about what I feel and I experience. Love is about what am I willing to do for somebody else. And when we put it in that context, it changes the very nature of the way God views us. Because it says God understands love, and he loved you so much that while you were still a sinner, 
while you were lost, while you were in denial of who he is, while you're betraying him, while you're living your life that makes you happy, in that midst, that's when God looks at you and says, I love you. And he understands that love is selfless. And love is not jealous. And love is kind. And that's what his actions, his thoughts, his emotion towards you, when you were intentionally denying the reality of who he is. He looks at you and says, my love for you is greater than your denial and your choice to reject me. Most of us don't look at the person that we love and hope that they'll just, hopefully they just don't reject me today. And that's about the best God can get. The people that Jesus walked with on earth for three years deny him, reject him, and abandon him. And these are the ones that he was showing love to. And here's the thing. He knew they were going to do it, but he loved them anyway. That's the love that God wants us to have in our hearts for one another. People need genuine love. Because, see, there's a counterfeit, there's a counterfeit, and that counterfeit says, as long as I feel good, that's all I need. And so we look for something that makes us feel good instead of something that makes us become who God created us to be. The counterfeit of love looks and feels real. I've talked to you guys before. My dad used to be a guy who worked for a bank through the Federal Reserve finding counterfeit money. Back when all money had to be counted still by hand, now they have you know, massive machines. But he would count several hundred thousand up to a million dollars a night, and he'd do it by hand. And he'd be in big stacks, and he'd take a pencil with a rubber eraser, and he'd just zip through it as fast as he could. And it has a band on it. He'd slide the band to one side and count, and then he'd slide the band to the other side. And he would find counterfeit bills and pull them out and put them in a little envelope and mark like what business they came from, what deposit number, all these things. And then they'd try to track down how counterfeit, like who passed that bill. And so they would do that and he'd find one. Oh, this one was from Sears at this location. This was from, you know, JCPenney. This was from this restaurant. And his job was to find counterfeit. And I asked him once, Dad, how did you do it? He goes, all the bills... The eyes of the old bills, not the new ones, but the old bills, the eyes were in the center of the bill. And he said, you slide the band to one side and you go as fast as you can. And he said, you're going fast for a reason. I want to see, he goes, if I go slow, it's hard to see the eyes change. He said, if you go fast, you see when the eyes change. He says, then I have to back up. And he goes, I have to pass through several times. If every, if the eyes look the same going through one direction, I do it a second time, they're the same as this, it just gets set aside. But when there's a difference, that subtle little thing, that small thing, that, that's how I know it's counterfeit. But see, so much of the time, it looks real. And you look at it and you're going through it. And this is a guy who found hundreds of counterfeit bills in his career. Because he knew what to look for and he knew how to spot it. And he, he said sometimes he couldn't even tell what wasn't real, but he knew there was something not right. See, so oftentimes, that's how it is with us and the way we love people. We love people because we want to get something out of the relationship. We love people because they're nice. We love people because it makes me feel good. But he's saying, go out there and love the people that are difficult to love. Love your enemies. See, the world says I should hate my enemies, but God says I should be loving them. Love your neighbors. I've discovered a lot of times our enemies and our neighbors, same person. 
because you're around them all the time. But that's who we're called to love. And sometimes we try to pass it off as, well, if it makes me feel good, then I'll do it. If I get accolades, if I get seen, if I get recognized. But the problem is, feelings deceive us. Counterfeit love is always about, what can I get out of this? What do I want out of this? What makes me feel good or happy? Jesus' love has always been about what is best for them. What is best for you? That's what Jesus is constantly looking at and saying, that's what I want for you. And too often times, we don't even know what's best for ourselves. We want to do what fills the vacancy or the void immediately instead of what's good for us. It's the whole thing I talk where, you know, if you want to get healthy, it doesn't happen overnight. I didn't get fat overnight, so I can't lose the weight overnight. I want to. I want to go on a two-day diet, lose all the weight, and then do whatever I want for the next 363 days again. But it takes time and consistency. You know, when you talk to your doctor, if you talk about your weight, first thing they'll say is, well, eat less and exercise more. If there's no medical problems with your thyroid or a few other things in your body, you will lose weight doing that. Well, that's no fun. That takes months. That takes hard work. Isn't there a pill or something I could do quickly? Whether it's gaining muscle, losing weight, learning a foreign language. Some of you know I do Duolingo. 573 consecutive days as of yesterday. Hola, mi amigos. That's what I got. 573 consecutive days of Spanish. By the way, I can tell you exactly when I started. I started one month before my daughter's graduation. Stopped for my daughter's college graduation for three days. I had 31 days. I stopped for three days. And I have done it every day since I got home from my daughter's college graduation. So when I wonder, how long has it been since my daughter graduated college? I know exactly how long it's been since my daughter graduated college. I want to learn the language, but here's the thing. It takes time and effort and energy. It takes something on my part to get better. It takes me stretching and pushing myself. It takes listening to Spanish. It takes repeating it out loud. I don't have the right accent. I don't like to repeat it out loud. I'm in a room by myself sometimes, and I won't do it. Any of us ever been there? Maybe I'm the only one. But that's the same way it is with love. It takes something on my part for somebody else beyond me And I may not get accolades, and I may not get the glory. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to sacrifice what I want for somebody else. I don't want to have to do the hard work. Somebody once told me, if you want a good marriage, it's a lot of work. You know why marriages are so hard? Because it's a lot of work. That other person that you love so deeply, you're willing to commit your life to to them, will annoy you so bad sometimes. Not you, no. My wife said, no. I'm talking about other people. They don't know how to do, some of the things that you liked about them, suddenly, six months into it, it's like, are you going to do that every day? Siblings parent-child relationships, those can really test your boundaries. When we love people without conditions, that's when we 
begin to change. I can't change that other person. I can't change their behaviors or their actions. But you know what I can do? Two things. One, I can change myself. And two, I can change how I view that person. Sometimes people say, I really have a hard time getting along with this parent, this sibling, this neighbor. And the first thing I say is, pray for them every day. Don't pray, God, change them or kill them. Don't, not that prayer. (laughs) But that prayer that says, God, help me to understand them. Help my heart to soften towards them. Help me to love them more. And over time, that prayer will change how you view them. Now maybe when they see, wow, that person's really being kind to me. That person's really striving. That person's really working on a relationship. Maybe they're going to soften and change too, or maybe not. But what I discovered is, when I have an us versus them or a me versus them mentality, it doesn't get better just because I wish they would change. But when I pray that I would better understand them, when there's people on the wrong side of the political fence from me, when I begin to pray that I want to understand their point of view and why they are that way, when there's people in a different socioeconomic group, when there's people in a different race, when there's people in a different culture, and I don't like what they're doing and I wish that they would change, but suddenly I begin to understand, God, help me see them the way you see them for the value they have as a person and as a human. Help me to love them unconditionally. You know what? Then suddenly some of that begins to change. Not because they're changing, but because my heart, my attitude, and my focus begins to change. Now, what happens when we have those people who in our life, they genuinely need to change? Because sometimes there are people who, they've got to change. They're broken. And I can't do it. I, I, anytime I talk about love, I always, I always throw out this caveat because I never want to be accused of, of not being real, but that is this, that number one, nobody has the right to hurt you even in the name of love. If you're in a relationship and someone is hurting you and you don't know what else to do, talk to me. I will help you out. I will get you resources out. But nobody has the right to hurt you even if they're claiming they love you. Number two, sometimes tough love has to happen. But see, you have to decide when that is. I can't make that decision for you. I've had people come and say, my kid's doing this and this and this. Do I kick them out yet? And I look and I go, I don't, I don't know. Are you enabling those behaviors? There's a book called Boundaries by uh, Cloud and Townsend. Those are the last names. And it's all about how sometimes the reason your kid keeps doing that is because you allow that behavior. And when you say, this isn't allowed anymore... Well, are there consequences? Because if there's no real consequences, then it's really still allowed. If you're not going to say, Here, if this happens again, here's the response I have to take, and then when you take that, they can be mad at you, and you can still love them, and you can love them enough to stand by that consequence. Now, I also tell parents, especially parents of young kids, never tell your kid, this is what's going to happen if you're not willing to follow through. Don't tell your kid, if you do that again, I'm taking away your Game Boy. And then when they take away the Game Boy, they're driving you nuts, so you give it back to them. Don't ever do that. <laughs> don't ever tell somebody, here's the consequence, if you don't intend to stand by it. But if you intend to stand by it, then you let them know, this is the line. When you cross that line, this has to happen, and this has to happen, because otherwise it compromises my ability to love you.
And I've had people say, well, if I kick my child out because they won't work, if I kick them out, they'll be homeless. And then I always say, and? 81% of people that are homeless say they want to be homeless, that that's how they want to live their lives. Stop telling them how to live. Doesn't mean they don't want to eat. Doesn't mean they don't want something else. But 81% of homeless people, they're there because they don't want to follow your rules. Stop telling me what I have to do. Somebody recently said, don't you think we should end all homelessness? And I, it was a younger person. I probably should have been calmer and more gentle. But I go, what arrogance do you have that tells somebody else how they have to live? (laughs) They have every right to live homeless. Who am I to tell them they can't? This is America. You don't want to see any homeless people? Go to a Soviet country. There's none because they're not allowed to be. They go to prison instead, but nonetheless, they're not allowed to be homeless. This is America. People are allowed to be. But do I want my child homeless? No. But there's certain actions that make me say, if you cross this line, I don't threaten it unless I'm willing to follow through. So tough love, I can't tell you when you have to pull the plug on that relationship, but what I can tell you is this. We have to be people of grace. We have to be people of patience. But sometimes the only way someone's going to see or understand is if tough love is really what happens. And if you love them enough that you can do that, then in the end, you may help them become a better person. And this is spoken by a person who wants to have grace on everybody. Love never means compromising who you are. You may compromise getting your way, but it never means I compromise my core values. I've known many people who, under the guise of love, have standards that they've set for their life or their home that they will then compromise later because they're afraid they're not going to be loved by their child or by their parent or by somebody else. Again, I'm not here to live a life of legalism, and I would ask you, don't do that. Be a life filled with grace. But if you set a standard and say, this is who I am, don't compromise that. Okay? We compromise what we want, but we don't compromise who we are. Who we are is defined by our core values. When I understand who I am in Christ, that better helps me define these other things. Now, sometimes... I've heard people go, well, I can't be in relationship with them anymore because of this and this and this. And then I'm always like, those things are past. That happened 17 years ago. That happened 24 years ago. I have two cousins that don't talk, that are siblings, over an incident that happened in 2004. What is that, 15 years ago? I mean, I remember when it happened. That was 15 years ago. You guys are siblings. Knock it off. That's what I want to say. They're both adults. They're not children. (laughs) Okay, so is there really love happening there? No. There's, I didn't get my way. They made me mad. They offended me. And now I can't do anything about ever moving forward. Love is about not compromising my core values, but sometimes we chalk it up and say, well, they compromise this and once you do that I can never forgive you well then look at your heart and ask yourself why so here's my questions for you am I reflecting God by the way I love people 
I can't answer that for you because every person is going to be different. But are you reflecting who God is by the way you love people? What about the people that annoy you? What about people that hate you? What about those that are different than you? What about those that you've tried to love, but they seem to reject it? I can tell you right now, God loved a lot of people that rejected him. And he doesn't give you an out clause because people reject your love. In fact, he continues to say, press in and show them who I am. We want to remember this today. As we lit this candle, we want to remember God is love. And no one knows love outside of God. All we know is the counterfeit, the fake. We can do a lot of things that are loving without actually loving a person. We can. We're we're pretty good at it, actually. Let's be a people who are known by the way we love. Because when you love someone genuinely, you will change who they are. You will change their life. You will change their future. Let's go love people well this week. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your unconditional love for us, for me, who is a sinner. You look at me and you say you still have love for me. Father God, I thank you that you love us not because of anything we've done or how great we are, but simply because you exist and we exist. And God, in that place, in that moment, may we come to you, may we reflect that love, and may that change the way I live my life day to day. That there's nothing that separates me from your love. In your name, amen. If you would like prayer today for anything before you go, the prayer team will be up um, probably on this side. Part of them came up. Seriously, um, I value prayer. I value prayer for illness. I value prayer for family members. I value prayer for friends. I value prayer for just you. Please, if you need prayer for something, come on up today. Number two thing that I would, that I guess is a, both an announcement and a prayer request. We've worked at the same church in Mexico since 2001. 18 years of relationship with the same pastor and his wife. And she has diabetes. She's had diabetes for longer than I've known them, basically. Um, but as complications from her diabetes, she had to have eye surgery on Friday. Um, I don't know the quality of eye surgery in Mexico. The very thought of it, to be honest, scares me. Um, the surgery appears to have gone fine. They won't know yet what her vision is because she's got like a patch over her eye. and They won't know. Really, they said the surgery went fine, but they won't know the end results for a bit. But... Every year we do a Christmas Eve offering that goes completely to somebody else. We've done it for the human trafficking ministry we've partnered with before. We've done it for the orphanage we've partnered with before. We've done it for Russia one year. We, this year our Christmas Eve offering, 100% of it, will go to um, helping pay for her eye surgery. I don't think we'll be able to pay for all of it, but they're on a payment plan and... Um, if you're wondering, there is, no, there is no health insurance there. So no, he has no health insurance. But they do a payment plan through the hospital. So whatever we get, if we get anything that exceeds that, it will be a donation to the church 
Compuertas Amistad down in Mexico. You can, if you're not going to be here on the 23rd, but you want to contribute on your um, envelope that you stick your offering in, you can just write Mexico Church or something like that, and we'll know who it's for. And again, on the 23rd at our Christmas Eve Eve service, 100% of that offering will go for them. Her name is Myra. Uh, if you can be praying for her. Again, they said the surgeon went fine, but they won't know whether or not she'll be able to see for, I think it's two to four weeks. They'll take off the, the patch in two weeks and check it, and then they'll patch it again. So be praying for them. Be praying for Myra and Andreas as they, um, you know, they've been faithful to that church for so long. And, uh, and if you've ever been there, you know that they open their church and they open their home and they open their lives to us year after year. And also, just as life would have it, this week the church was also broken into and uh, into their storage area that they have. And his, he makes his living as a pastor, but also a welder, and he takes welding jobs. And his welder was stolen, as well as all the other church's tools. So we'll, if we have any additional funds, we'll be using that to help cover the things that were stolen um, it's hard because he knows he even knows who broke in. They served lunch to the community last week, and uh, just a free meal for people in their community. And somebody that was at that actually broke in and uh, listed the items for sale. But it's a different world there, and he can do nothing about it other than he did send me a screenshot of the items that were for sale. <laughs> so he said, "Here they are." But. Um, if you guys can just be praying for Comportas Hamastad and for Pastor Andreas, I would appreciate it. He is a personal friend of mine, somebody who I love deeply. And uh, so that's where our Christmas Eve offering will go this year. So thanks so much, guys. I love you, and I will see you all next week.